Hello and welcome to this week's Mouth of the Tyne podcast, a special Shields Gazette production. I'm joined today by regular uh, contributor Miles Starforth, and we've got a special guest on today, um, NUFC Matters uh, podcast guru, Steve Wraith. How are you guys? Hi, good to see you. Good to see you guys. Good, thanks, uh, Liam. Lots to talk about as ever. Um, Steve Bruce on the agenda. We'll keep away from takeover talk because it's getting very complicated in that in that sphere. Um, selections, formations. There's lots on the agenda at Newcastle United. Miles, I'll come to you first. Um, any news on on Joe Linton? Any news? Because uh, I know he went off for that injury. Is there any news on a potential return for Callum Wilson? Because this week we did see a little Instagram video that he put up there. Is is there is there light at the end of the tunnel on, on the injury front for Newcastle United? I think it's too early to say. We don't know uh, on Gillington as yet. We'll find out more tomorrow. Though you would it, you would hope uh, that, that certainly Gillington's not too bad. As, as for Callum Wilson, um, you know, you would imagine if if things go to plan, he's in training kind of the latter part of next month. How soon could he then be fit? Big again, a big question mark. But it was encouraging to see him doing that kind of strength and conditioning work. Um, you know. Um, well, well, he's about two and a half weeks now into it to his rehab, so he's, he looks to be stepping things up, which is it's certainly encouraging. Uh, and we can just all we can do is hope he's going to be a little ahead of that eight week uh, week kind of um, time scale that was was floated by Steve Bruce. Good to have you on again, Steve. Injury situation at Newcastle. I mean, Joe Linton's a, a character that sort of divides opinion on Tyneside. Um, I don't think many too many people will be worried if he wasn't in the team and, and from a, a supporter perspective. Um, but Callum Wilson's a, another kettle of fish altogether, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, injuries and suspensions, of course, are part and parcel of a, of a normal season for any club. And um, Newcastle couldn't have got the injury to Callum Wilson at a worse time. Um, the, the positive is, as Miles just explained there, is that it looks as if his rehabilitation is, is, is going well and that he could be back, you know, hopefully a little bit quicker than we all anticipated. Uh, as for Joe Linton, as you know, and as your listeners know, I was a big, big critic of Joe Linton last season. You know, the £40 million price tag isn't his fault, but, you know, putting a bit of effort in and, you know, trying to do your best in a black and white shirt, you know, isn't very difficult. And he, he should have been able to do that as a professional footballer. He didn't do that last year. But I think this season there has been glimpses of, 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 a, of a footballer within, you know, within the shirt. And, um, you know, at times he's been given a job to do and he's done it better than I've, I've seen him do it in the past. So I have given him a, you know, a bit of praise this season. Um, is he the man to, to fire us, you know, away from the relegation zone? I really, really do not think so. Um, Callum Wilson is obviously what we're banking on and we, we've got to hope that he gets back, you know, sooner rather than later. The, um, you know, the situation with Joe Linton though, is strange. I've seen a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who were supportive of him last season saying that we should, you know, just try and cash in and get something back for him in the summer. Um, but a lot of that depends on, on you know, what happens over the, over the next few months, i.e. which division Newcastle United will be playing that trade in next season and, uh, you know, whether Mike Ashley gets his dream, which is to eventually sell the club. So, you know, it's it, it, a lot of questions rather than answers at the minute. Um, you know, the big one for me, Dwight Gale. I'd love to see Dwight Gale in the team, but there seems to be something not quite right with uh, Dwight Gale and I can't put my finger on it. But certainly, got it. Going back to 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 Jalinton, um, you know we've seen him probably some of his best works done outside the box. He's a there's a footballer there, but 
he's not he's not a number nine. He's not a forty million pound number nine. And we saw again uh, at, at Old Trafford that he's not got that instinct. He, you see, Sam Maximides in Wilson, they they look to shoot, shoot if they get the ball in the box. That's not what Jalinton does. You know, he he rolled it to I think it was Shelby when he got one chance. He's not. I don't think you can ever coach into him that that striker's instinct. Um, so we know know what he's not. We still don't know what he is. He's you know we've seen him as I said do some nice link up play outside the box. He can he can put a shift in some games. Others you can you can kind of put a question mark about that. But um, he's not he's not a number nine. He, he's not uh, um, he, he's not a forty million pound number nine. There's there's, there's no other way, way to say it really. No, I hate to say it, but you know, you know that's that is the big issue. The price tag, I think, it, it hangs over him, you know, and, and and you know, like a black cloud, really. And and for him, you know, he can't do anything about that. But you know, he has put more effort in this season. Uh, I think, I, I honestly think, if there was somebody more capable of coaching at the club, um, perhaps Graham Jones is that man. You know, only time will tell. But we might see something more coming from Joe Linton. But I just feel that. You know, Steve Bruce isn't an adequate enough coach and the people around him haven't been good enough to, to get the best out of him. Um, you know, we always hark back to the days of Rafa, but Rafa Benitez was somebody who managed to, you know, I don't know, polish a diamond, but also managed to get the best out of a player that was underperforming. And some players who, you know, maybe, you know, were, were always at a certain standard. Rafa just seemed to get something a little bit more out of them. And, you know, maybe Rafa could have done something with Joe Linton. I know he didn't want them. I know he only rated them at, you know, um, you know round about the £20 million mark, which is half the price he cost. But I, I just think a lot's got to be said for, for the coaching. I think, um, you know, I think that's something which is, is more than obvious as well. I think fitness is a key as well. I, I, I genuinely felt after, you know, the last few games that we've played, despite there being a couple of good results in there, that we seem to lack obvious fitness. We seem to be a, a 60 minute team. We seem to collapse after 30 minutes. I think a lot of us were pointing to the fact that Newcastle go in at half time, you know, maybe he's in a comfortable position or looking as if they can take the game to the opponents, but then they come out the second half and something happens. We're all pointing and saying, well, what is Steve Bruce saying in the changing room? Well, maybe it's not him saying anything at all. Maybe it's the fact that the team just aren't fit enough and that's why we can't compete for a full 90 minutes. Joe Linton, for me, going back to, to that, I've, I've got major concerns at the, the scouting team and, and the people who really put that deal together because, to me, in the, the two years that he's been at this football club, it's it's all very one-paced. I think he's very slow in his reactions, uh, slow in pace terms, slow at turning, slow with the ball at his feet, slow with the ball without his feet. And I just wonder, it does make me question whether anybody could look at that player performing as he was in Germany, as probably much similar to the way that he is now and, and thought they could make a Premier League player out of him. But what that kind of brings me on to, in a sense, is is the idea is if it's not Joe Linton, he may be injured, it may be taken out of Steve Bruce's hands, then who comes in? Steve, I'll come to you first on that one. I would love to see uh, you know a fully fit and a fully dedicated Dwight Gale um, in that position. I mean, we set up with a different system. Um, you know, Steve Bruce will tell you that the gloves are off and he's doing it his way. But you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that we seem to have been more on the front foot since Graham Jones's arrival. Um, but I would like to see a fully fit Dwight Gale in that box, ready to tuck away the chances because it's quite clear that he can do it. And if we're, if we're looking for somebody who can, you know, get get that goal in a, you know, in a one-nil win, then you're going to put your money on Dwight Gale scoring it rather than, you know, Joe Linton scoring it. Um, 
I don't think you know ASM or Miggy's the answer as a as an out and out striker or someone through the middle. I think that would be crazy to do that. I think that um, you know maybe he's playing one of them behind Dwight Gale would would make sense. Um, but I just genuinely feel that you know Dwight Gale is the answer to get us out of this. The question is how dedicated is Gale uh, to the to the cause. The other player that should be starting, and I know we always disagree on this, Liam, is is Matt Ritchie. Um, the guy's experienced. He's he's a Newcastle player who has has been there, done it, got the t-shirt with us in recent years under both Rafa and Steve Bruce. He never lets you down for work effort, uh, work, and and you know his effort is second to none. But the most important thing that we see with with Richie, and this is something we're lacking on the pitch, is his is his leadership. He's he's a he's somebody who shouts and balls. He's somebody who isn't afraid to put somebody in their place. He's somebody if there's a half chance for a penalty, he actually appeals for it. Or if there's an argument to be had with a referee, he'll go and have it. Um, and we don't have that from our captain Jamal Lascelles, and that's that that for me is a big worry. It's all very well saying that you're having. Um, you know, you're having words in the dressing room and Jamal Lascelles is in the thick of it. We need to see him having words with some of these players on the pitch and putting things to, you know, putting things straight, you know, to try and get us back into a game. Um, but yeah, centre forward wise, Dwight Gale's the answer, but we've got to have him fully, fully committed and fully fit. Miles, do you think do you think Andy Carroll comes into a conversation in terms of replacing people up front and, and the talk of leaders that Steve's brought up there? Is that you're a fan of Matt Rich? I know you've mentioned that in the past. And, and what of what of Jamal Lassell's leadership? Is that something that that has maybe is worth coming into question over the last few weeks? Well, for, firstly, on the on the striker, I'm I'm with Steve on this. I think Gale's the natural choice. Obviously, the system. If we it all comes down to the system, it, there's been an improvement uh, in results since. Graham Jones has come in. They've got this system with kind of these split strikers that maybe doesn't naturally suit Andy Carroll, um, and you know may may, may suit Jalinton. Um, he's you know Steve Bruce has always talked about him in the wider positions, um, but it, it all points to Dwight Gale for me. But then he was poor against Chelsea, um, and obviously there was as a change made uh, against Manchester United. But uh, I you know. I think uh, I think we need to see more from Gale. He's a, we know he can score at this level. Um, I know he's in the final few months of his contract. There's a lot lot to, to play for for him as as well as the club. And so, so him for me, Matt Ritchie. Yeah, I, I think we've we've missed uh, seeing his um, leadership on the field. But where does he where does he fit into that team? Um, he's not. You can see him playing a wing back, but not certainly not a left back. Uh, is he in the wide area? Sam Maximum is going to offer more than him. So I don't know where he would fit into this team if we were accepting that this system's brought an upturn in results and having a settled formation between now and the end of the season is going to benefit this team. Because I think that's what we've been crying out for uh, for 18 months, an identity or a way of playing. And we seem to, you know, two, two wins and five, there's, there's been an upturn, a smaller, you know, upturn in results. So I, I, I don't see where Richie fits into that. Um, and I can I can understand his frustration because he's given an awful lot to this club and um, and his leadership's been so important. So he has a question for you both. Um, if Fede Fernandez is fit at the weekend for Wolverhampton Wanderers, who does he come in for? Does he come in for Jamal Lascelles or does he come in for Kieran Clark? Do you some fa- somehow maybe tweak the system to go to a five? Where does Paul, does Paul Dummett come into these conversations, Steve? 
I don't think Paul Dummett does. I just don't think uh, he's a Steve Bruce player for whatever reason. Um, in fact, it seems as if there's been a bit of a fallout with the local lads, which surprises me. I mean, neither of the long staffs can get a look in. Andy Carroll's not his first choice, which I would agree with, I have to say. But I would play, certainly have given Matty a chance. I don't think he did did anything wrong other than being related to Sean. Um, it's clear that there's something gone on there. Um, but I think, for me, um, I would put Fernandez in. I think he'll take Clark out and put Clark on the bench and play him alongside Lascelles because Lascelles is his captain. I think that's the kind of weak-willed, you know, managerial decision we'll get. Should Lascelles be dropped? Yes, he should be. I think um, I wouldn't adapt the, you know, I wouldn't adapt the style of, you know, defending just to just to put him in and keep everyone happy. But again, it's the kind of thing Steve Bruce does. There's no. There's no leadership. There's no strong management for me. And, you know, he doesn't make those decisions because he gives me the impression he wants to be everybody's friend in the dressing room. Um, he's, he's like a 20 year old, you know, 20 years gone by manager. People call him a dinosaur. He's, he is stuck in that era, you know. Um, and I think, unfortunately for us, you know, that that is, you know, that is one thing that could actually take us down, you know, lack of leadership, lack of being able to make a decision. Um, but yeah, I would put Fernandez in, I would take Lascelles out and I would give Clark and, uh, Clark and Fernandez the opportunity to play alongside each other. Uh, Lascelles deserves a rest and, um, you know, a chance to maybe reflect and then maybe come back a better player. Uh, but I don't think Steve Bruce will do that. Always good for a soundbite there, Steve. You've got Steve Bruce stuck in the prehistoric era. That could be a, that could be a title for the podcast, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, um, Jamal Lascelles, is, is he one that may drop out of Freddy Fernandez, or what's your understanding on the situation? I think I think for me, Fernandez has to play. If it, and that's the big question mark. He's, he's been out for for some time now, so his, his, his fitness will have to leave the Bruce and his coaches to, to assess that. But if if he's fit enough to start, then he then he needs to start. And, and for me, again, I, I would agree uh, the sales would come out of this, uh, come out of the team um, for him. You know, Fernandes is, has been the most consistent defender, you know, for the 18 months or so that, uh, um, for the last 18 months. So, yeah, he plays. It's not much of a, a debate there for me. I'm going to start the conversation on this one. Onto the goalkeeper debate, it's been something that's kind of um, sort of grasped Newcastle United social media over the last seven days and, and a little bit longer as well as to whether Caldolo should remain as a first choice goalkeeper this season. And it was mentioned by Steve there that, that uh, Steve Bruce hasn't been strong enough on certain decisions. And I would definitely agree that Steve Bruce has been weak or looks weak on the Caldolo decision. I actually tend to agree that it was a really tough call for him to, to if he'd brought Martin Dubravka in the minute that he was fit. But I think I think as time has gone on, as we've been sucked into a relegation battle, I think there's been situations such as the Aston Villa game, the error that he made in that game and others as well, that maybe I think he should have made this decision um, earlier. I think he's been a little bit too loyal to Caldolo. And this isn't a criticism in my opinion, of Carl Dolo, because I think Carl Dolo looks a much better goalkeeper into his 30s than he did in his mid-20s when he was first trusted with effectively the number one jersey at Newcastle United. The mistakes aren't as often. The clangers aren't there. We've seen clangers in the championship season. He's generally more consistent. He's, he produced some um, some point-saving performances in that first three to four months of the season. But I would argue that performances have definitely tailed off. I think the statistics prove that. The clean sheets, um, the save percentage are starting to prove that. And the errors are now creeping in. So I'll come to you first, Miles, on this one. 
I know you're, you've written a piece this week as well, suggesting, uh, concurring with that really, that you believe it's time for Martin Dubravka. But do you think it was time a few weeks ago or do you think now is about the right time? Well, I'll defend Steve Bruce on this one. Uh, we don't defend him too often, but certainly on this. I, I, I think he was right to stick with Cardalo um, when Dubravka first came back. Let's forget... Um, Dalo was the busiest goalkeeper in the league for the first part of the season. He did very, very well. Um, and I think he'd earned that, uh, that extended run in the team. But yeah, over, over the past two or three weeks, I think we've just come to a decision. And I think the decision was kind of made really at, uh, at Old Trafford ahead of the next game. Um, I know you, you've said it's uh, the business end of your season. You, you, you want your best players in the team. Of course you do. Um, and I just got... My sense of it, it was the right. It's the right team time now to bring Debraka uh, back in. Hopefully, um, that experience and leadership um, will be important. That said, Darlow is one of those players you, you can hear him talking a lot, and he, he's a leader out there on the pitch. Let's not forget, it's not just about his saves. Um, and I think he deserved this contract. I've been pleased to see him get this run of run of the team. He, he remember. Um, last season, when he was all all but due to get get well, he was due to get a run in the team before the the first lockdown. Um, Dubravka, of course, was fit by the time football restarted. So I'm I'm pleased for him. Pleased he's now committed his future to the club. But I think it's time for Dubravka to come back into the team. Do you think we'll see that this weekend, Steve? Yeah, I do. I think this is the weekend we'll see Martin Dubravka return to uh, you know the goalkeeping position. Um, I think you know my views. I, I felt Dolo had deserved the opportunity to stay, you know, in as as number one choice. Um, but the the errors have the errors have increased, and you know Dubravka is is clearly you know our number one keeper. He's got the opportunity to come back in and prove it. And I think that um, you know I don't think many Newcastle fans would argue with it now. Steve Bruce probably has got this one right, as Miles said. I do feel that um, you know uh, you know this is a, a decision which which he has got right. Um, you know, I have said as well, though, that if a takeover went through, and I, I know there was a few raised eyebrows when I said this, but I do feel that if a takeover went through with a, you know, a, a lot of money available for Newcastle to buy players, that that's one of the positions I would strengthen because Dubravka, yep. Yeah, Although he's a good keeper, I think you need to build from the back. You need uh, a decent spine to the team, and you know if you're going to spend daft money on 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 players for for a, a club, you need a good you know you need a good goalkeeper, a good centre half, um, you know two decent midfielders, one ball winner, one ball player, and a good centre forward. You've got that in your team, you know you'll never go far wrong, and then obviously you can build on it. But yeah, I think Dubravka, uh, he'll be straight back in at the weekend. I'd be very surprised if he isn't. It was interesting you mentioned about leadership there, Miles. That obviously, you've been at the majority of games this season, and obviously you're in that environment where you, you can you're very close to it. You can hear um, talking on the pitch. You can hear conversations that go on. It's quite a surprise because that's one thing that a lot of people have championed about bringing Dubravka back is seeing the leadership from the back. I think Dubravka personally brings more than that. I think his distribution's better. I also like the way he's very, very confident and commanding in the box. He'll come for crosses. He might miss the other one, but he comes for everything. And it just gives the defence that extra line behind them. And they know he's coming and a bit of confidence in that. But it's interesting you mentioned the, the talking of Darlo because that's something that maybe he's improved upon. Yeah, he, he, uh, this, this team... Without Richie in it, it's probably a little quieter, and you need those voices and Darlo, Lascelles, and there's a handful you do hear talking. But um, yeah, certainly I, I would class him um, as one of the leaders on the pitch. Especially, you know, we, we we heard him again and again in the early part of the campaign. 
when he was, you know, he was facing a ridiculous amount of shots in in some games. Um, I think it more more than any other goalkeeper in the Premier League at that stage. Um, and he was talking. You hear Clark as well, one or two others, um, and you need those voices. And especially without uh, Matt Ritchie, we all know as well, probably the, the loudest of them all. Steve Bruce, that's the late, that's that's the next topic we'll come on to. I mean, what? What we're seeing the situation as, I mean, it's we kind of understand the situation to be that 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 it's the decision that uh, Mike Ashley doesn't want to take. Newcastle United are on a really really poor run of form, um, since the turn of the year, since before the turn of the year, an incredible run of results effectively with all the the losses. I mean, is Steve Bruce Miles? Do you think Steve Bruce is probably safe for the foreseeable, or do you think safe if a Wolves uh, poor performance and defeat? was incoming. Do you think there might be some considerations um, from the hierarchy or, or do you think Steve Bruce is, is safe as houses? He's, he's safe at the minute. All, all the indications are that there's no appetite for a managerial change. Um, the role of the dice, the club's role of the dice seems to be Graham Jones. Um, and imagine they'll look at the, you know, the five games since he's been in charge and see an improved points return, though it couldn't have been any worse than what had gone on before, but and, until Jones's arrival, that was you know the form was absolutely shocking, and we had the cup def- cup defeat as well. The Brentford one was particularly particularly bad. Um, that you know that that was a, a relegated team essentially. It was only going one way. Um, what we've seen since Jones has arrived is a it, it, you know a, more of an identity, a way of playing, um, and some improved performances and a couple of wins. Um, where we go from here, good question. But uh, no, no appetite in the conversations I had, I had uh, for a managerial change. At most clubs, obviously, Steve Bruce probably wouldn't have got through the door. Most top division clubs, anyway. But I think, um, given that run of results, Steve, that he probably would have been out the door quite quickly at most other football clubs as well. It's almost like in Newcastle United, you need to go well over the hill before any decisions taken. I would look back on that run of results. And and for me, the, the game that really frustrated me the most wasn't the Sheffield United one because they were mitigating circumstances in that that made it difficult. Although that first half performance was arguably one of the worst 45 minutes of football I've, I've ever seen. The Aston Villa game, the one after, was the one that really frustrated me. And I think most Premier League owners would have pulled the plug then. Yeah, I agree. I think um, we're in a different situation here, though, because you know the takeover, whether people like it or not, is still rumbling on in the background. And Mike Ashley has one eye on that. He also has one very big eye on his retail business and and how the pandemic has affected that. And you know, with with a, a you know a, a roadmap to potential reopening of his stores, that'll be the biggest relief to him. But you know, it is quite clear that he still intends to try and sell this football club. And whether that be you know whether that's to PIF or whether we see somebody else come over the horizon, um, the Steve Bruce decision um, very much rests on that. And I, I would agree with Miles that you know there is no other reason to bring Graham Jones in. Uh, then to say to Steve Bruce, subliminally, I would say, you know, if you don't start getting things right, this guy's being brought in to replace you. And I think, you know, we can read a lot between the lines when we watch presses, you know, pressers and stuff like that, or listen to, to stuff that comes out of the club or from journalists like yourselves. Um, and for me, Steve Bruce wasn't happy about Graham Jones coming in, but he's got no option but to work with him. And um, I do feel, I do feel that if, we lose on Saturday um, and we lose again the following week. 
do I do feel that maybe we might see the end of Steve Bruce then, and I feel that you know then Graham Jones will be left with a job of keeping Newcastle United in the Premier League. I don't see a big name manager coming in. I don't see Mike Ashley making that decision because he wants to sell the football club. So. Yeah, uh, these two games, these next two games are, are huge games for Newcastle, but they're even bigger games for Steve Bruce. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. If 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 they keep on losing, obviously there's going to be after this decision is going to have to be made. Um, there seems to be a hope that, that there's these improved performances um, will lead to some some more results over the coming weeks. But uh, it, yeah, it, it's kind of an odd dynamic. Of course, I. I'd stress that Steve Bruce says uh, Graham Jones was was his appointment. Um, we don't know exact kind of machinations of how it all all happened, but uh, he certainly that first Graham Jones interview, and we've talked about this, was an eye opener. He came in and talked talked like a manager. Of course, he's you know his track records as a as a as a first team coach or an assistant manager. He's uh, only had one kind of outright managerial spell at Luton, and and uh, that didn't didn't really uh, didn't end well um, but it he's kind of as I've said seen someone else say this week he, he's almost separate from Bruce and his coaching staff so if they want to make a change he's there ready to, to, to make that step up but um, yeah it's, it's just it's a strange dynamic um, Graham Jones we know is doing most of the work on the training pitch um, um, before each game but then Steve Bruce is left to kind of choose the uh, choose the players on, on a match day. Interesting. You mentioned that that first week, Miles. It was the it was the nine minute uh, suit and tie interview, the big uh, fanfare for the assistant's assistant. I've never ever seen anything like that in any anywhere that I've covered football across the country. But it was one of those that I think we have seen personally. I think we've seen uh, slight improvements. I, I looked to the the set piece routine on on um, at Manchester United. There was there was just a variation in it that we've never seen in eighteen months of Steve Bruce. Um, the, the high press, the pressing game just suddenly turned up when, when Graham Jones came along. You can't tell me that wasn't a coincidence. But there's been lots of little incidents like that and, and fans aren't daft. They see, they see it for what it is and despite whatever Steve Bruce says, it, it, he does deserve some credit but I also think some of the credit for the, the minor improvements that have taken place and they are minor because ultimately with 13 games left of the Premier League season, all that matters now really is results. We see Brighton the other day outplaying, totally outplaying Crystal Palace and losing. And that's why they're only a point ahead of Newcastle United in this race. I suspect looking at them, you'd look at it and say, well, they look too good a team to get pulled into it and they'll, they'll pick up the odd result. But they haven't. And that's why they've only got 26 points. Similarly, with Newcastle United, um, you look at the squad and say they've got enough quality in there that they shouldn't really be relegated. But ultimately, they've got 25 points and keep making really poor defensive errors. I would argue that game of the weekend, if Newcastle United had only defended to an average level, if they'd just done the basics right, they would have got a result out of that game because Manchester United didn't really turn up apart from 25 minutes in the second half. Isn't, isn't this the flip side to, to playing a more attacking football yeah. under Jones if you look at his record? And look at, you know, he's learned under Martinez. What do Martinez's teams do? They played football, they can, but they also conceded goals. Um, it's this, this kind of two sides of the of the coin, really. You, you, the team's got on the front foot, but we're seeing we're seeing errors. You know, I, I'm looking into Jones's coaching career. You know, he, he said, at, at, uh, I think it was at Luton, you know, he'd rather rather win 10-9 than... Um, um, than, than um, 
than by now, you know, he's happy with a scoreline like that as long as they win because they want us to get on the front foot and they and, and score goals. So that that that's a concern defensively. Uh, you know, we've used to this team even you know under the first season or so of Steve Bruce at this kind of solidity, rigidity. Um, is a legacy of Rafa's time at the club, um, but you know, for the past eighteen months, goals have been a problem. Um, the, hopefully, the team's going to get more in the front foot now and score them. But again, uh, it's a it's a concern. I'll come back round to you for a score predict score and result predict, prediction at the end. But Steve, I, I didn't want to get you on without asking you a little bit about your own situation. You've got a massive uh, NUFC matters uh, podcast and YouTube game going at the moment. You're a promoter. I've seen recently that you, you um, the first time I had you on, you were talking about how you couldn't do your shows and, and all of that kind of thing. The last time you were on the mouth of the time, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel now with, with your boxing shows and, and promotion out there, as well as your, your podcast game going really well. Yeah, I mean, the podcast's been a, a welcome distraction for, for me and for, as it turns out, uh, you know, a certain demographic of the Newcastle United fan base. The older fans have got somewhere to go now. Uh, a lot of these podcasts are for the younger generation, whereas we tend to look back on yesteryear, get the likes of Supermark Gibbo and, you know, a lot of the ex-players on. I mean, over the last few weeks, we've had Kevin Gallagher on and, um, you know, Rob Lee, Warren Barton, you name it, they've all been on to share their views. And it's good for the guys. You know, a lot of the guys are struggling, um, you know, no work sitting at home and you know it's not all it's not all roses for for these ex-players either you know we're all in the same boat and I think that's what the podcast has done it's brought people together as for events yeah I mean you know I'm I'm very skeptical as to whether we'll get out of this uh, you know you know when this government says we will I feel we'll probably all need the jabs both jabs before we get back to normality um, that hasn't stopped Phil Jeffries, who I, uh, who I co-promote the professional boxing shows with, with actually putting a date in, 31st of July at Rainton Meadows for a, a professional boxing show. We're hoping um, that everything is, is okay for then. If not, it'll just get put back like everything else has. But yeah, a couple of the music gigs that I've got lined up. Bad Manners is selling really well. We've got that on in September. And I think September is probably a good opportunity for, for fans to be able to get back and see what, you know, what events we're putting on. But it's, uh, yeah, the podcast's been great. And I mean, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been great for you to to spread the, the word about the Shields Gazette on there as well. And um, I just think, you know, we've, you know, we haven't done this for anything other than, you know, fun and, and just try to, you know, keep everyone's mental health up. And we've, we've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been great. And just want to thank, you know, your readers for uh, for coming across and listening to. And as, as I'm always proud to say I'm a South Shields lad, so working with the Shields Gazette's always a, a massive privilege for me, and always good to chew the fat with you and Miles. You got any 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 events coming up on the on the podcast? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been working, as people know, I've got a, a, an interest in true crime. We've been doing quite a few with Charles Bronson, who's now Charles Salvador, which has been fascinating. You know, um, I've been going through my archive and trying to find some interviews that I did with him when he was in Wakefield many, many years ago. But we've done that, which is great. You know, obviously, you know, Thursday nights we do Super Mac and Gibbo. Um, I've got Mick Lowe's on at the weekend, and I always like to get Mick on. He's uh, does one a month now, um, and Mick's just coming on to talk Newcastle United. Uh, people will remember him, of course, from his you know his time in the commentary box covering Newcastle with Ando on BBC Radio Newcastle. So yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting to Mick. That's on Sunday at one o'clock, so that's probably the best one for your listeners to to tune in to. Uh, and UFC matters. Just look for Steve Wraith on YouTube. Great stuff, Steve. Right, so Miles, this weekend, it feels like a must-win. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put my prediction out there first. I think it'll be a ones each. I can see a very similar game playing out as to what happened at Molyneux. But I've got confidence that Newcastle will go to West Brom, go to Sam Allardyce's West Brom and win. So I think they'll pick up. I'm reasonably confident they'll get four points out the next two, and I think that'll just keep the wolf in the door. Your predictions, Miles? Well, I think when you've you've asked me in the past, I've I've, I've not been too optimistic, and I don't know if I'm too optimistic now, but. A, a, a fancy win, a home win, um, and I think I said uh, when in the paper a two-one. Um, so tight... What's that? What <laughs> <laughs> game? Dylan um, uh, Hattrick was it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, by, by the other goal, uh, but uh, God, any any win would, uh, would 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 suit me. So just uh, keeping for everything crossed, really. Stephen, your predictions. Yeah, I'm with you on uh, this weekend's result. I, I don't see Newcastle winning. Uh, the Wolves game is not usually a game uh, with which which was you know which produces a lot of goals. So I fancy a, a, you know either a, a scoreless draw or a one-one draw. I, we we do struggle to score goals. I'm more inclined to suggest it's going to be nil-nil at the weekend. And then you know the West Brom game. Yeah, I mean look, we've we've got a good opportunity. West Brom are struggling and they aren't very good. And, and you'd like to think that um, Newcastle will, you know, try and build on getting, a, you know, that point that we've pre- predicted against Wolves at home by getting three points against uh, West Brom. So I'm going for a, I'm, I'm going for a not very pretty nil-nil uh, at the weekend and then a one-nil win for Newcastle away to West Brom. We all know this is Newcastle United and predictions mean nothing normally. But thank you, everybody. Thank you, Steve Ray, for, for coming on this week's uh, Mouth of the Time podcast. Thanks again, Miles. If everyone can just in the comments, just put your put your score predictions and we'll we'll maybe do something with that towards the weekend. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Mm-hmm.